Avast, ye, and welcome to the Gay Pirate Podcast, where two queer IRL pirates talk about our flag means death one episode at a time. I'm Lark Malachi Gray, and I find the feel of silk very invigorating. And I am Jesse Blount, just a sweetheart deep down, just dealing with a fair amount of trauma. <laughs> so, today we are talking about the pilot episode of Our Flag Means Death, in which Steve Bonnet has traded his life as a wealthy landowner to become a pirate. And we tour his ship, complete with impractical library, and get to know the ragtag crew as he narrates it all for his captain's log, scribed by the only literate pirate on his ship, Lucius. The crew doesn't totally respect Steed, and the revenge lacks a flag. So Steed breaks out the crap in so everyone on the crew can make a flag for morale, which kind of works because, to be honest, who doesn't love being creative? But Black Pete is not having it and is like, okay, bet, mutiny time. Buttons wasn't told to not tell Steed, so he lets him know about the mutiny. Thankfully, before Black Pete can convince all of the crew to mutiny, Steed spots a British naval ship to rob. Everyone's getting ready for a murderin', only Steed is a tender queer and, as we see in a flashback, has never been one for bloodshed. Olawande and Jim try to show Steed some moves, but it's really just too much for him. Steed is freaking out, but it's too late. The British naval ship has arrived, with Steed's childhood bully heading it up. This chump decides to go torment Steed some more, and Steed tries to pass off the ship as not a pirate ship, but just uh, a few upper crust lads trying to trying their hand at, at the seafaring life and some <laughs> servants only to a medium success. While Steve is giving badminton the tour and endures more bullying, the crew is so over these asshole naval guys, especially when one of the Brits finds the crew's Finnish flags and makes fun of them. So finally, the murder is happening and Steed, trying to stun badminton, manages on accident the goriest kill of them all because Jude falls on his own sword white through his eye. Steed is freaking out, but Olawande is like, this is how you end the mutiny. Just tell everyone it was on purpose. So he does. Uh, and they end up sending back one naval officer and three dummies tied to the oars of the rowboat whilst the revenge escapes. The crew is pacified with their hostages, and Steed is having a bit of a crisis with his first kill. And we just happen to learn that Jim is, in fact, not a mute cis dude. They are just in disguise. We end the episode with Steed reading to the crew while all of the crew's handmade flags fly into the night. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So before we, you know, start everything, for those of you who maybe don't know us from one of our three other podcasts, we're going to introduce ourselves. Um, I'm going to introduce us as a as an entity first. So Jesse and I together are hashtag Ruthless Productions. Uh, we make the podcast The Gaily Prophet and Escape from Reality. That's E-S-G-A-Y-P-E, which are about Harry Potter and the Simon Snow series, respectively. Uh, we also make a Buffy podcast called We Are the Gayers that we have up on our Patreon. We're just two queers with too many projects and a lot of passion. And, you know, it's it's real fun. <laughs> Yeah. Jesse, do you want to talk more about like who you are, your name and pronouns and stuff stuff? Yeah, uh, I am Jesse Blount. My pronouns are she, her, and I have ADHD, so I just love talking about all of the pop culture things. So very <laughs> excited about starting this new new project here. Yep. Uh, so I am Lark Malachi Gray. My pronouns are he, him. And a fun fact that I think is relevant to this podcast is that two of my three dogs are named after pirate media. Oh, you're right. <laughs> how, did I, how did I not realize that? It's a literally you said that right now. Yeah, I hadn't realized it until... <laughs> Like a week ago, once I was, you know, deep in my Our Flag Means Death obsession and thinking about my history with pirate media and was like, oh my god. Anyway, so the two dogs in question are Rufio and Inigo Montoya, who are named for characters from Hook and The Princess Bride. And my third dog is Jezebel, which my partner was like, but that sounds like a good pirate ship name. So it's kind of still fits the theme. Or a good or a good pirate name, I feel like. Yes, I think it would also be a good pirate name. Um, anyway, so that's us. We're great. Uh, the way that our podcasts work is that 
we break things up into sections that have fun titles. Jesse does not yet know the sections of this podcast. They will be being revealed live. Uh, <laughs> because, well, you know what the sections are, but not what the titles are because I wanted to surprise you. What else? We spoil everything. All of our podcasts fully spoiled. So yeah, if you've not seen uh, the episodes or all the episodes, you should go do that right now. Unless you don't care about being spoiled, which some people don't. Go on ahead. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And then also for this podcast, for this media in particular, we just want to be upfront about a couple things. Yeah, about what we will and will not be talking about in terms of what the larger cultural narrative is. So we will definitely be... Talking about race and racism in this here show. What we're not going to be doing is any kind of historical accuracies or like time frames about like the transatlantic slave trade. Like y'all can Google that. You know, that's not really what we're here to talk about. But we will be here to talk about how fabulous all of the black and brown folks in this show are. Because there are many. Even though it does, I think, get overshadowed by the sort of explicitly queer narrative in this story but yeah we'll we'll be talking about that yeah i think this is a solid uh both and situation yes um yeah we also will not be partaking in the like why would you name them after like real people who did terrible things conversation or the why would you glamorize pirates they were bad conversation uh if that's what you're looking for this isn't the right place for you we are talking about the beauty of the queer pirate show and that's that yeah like this is basically watching we are watching someone's real person fan fiction and that's great this isn't if you this isn't like the history channel this isn't a like accurate view of, of piracy or of the real steed bonnet who you should not glorify because the real steed bonnet was a slave owner so can we just cut cut that out y'all I mean, I don't think anyone is doing that, but people are complaining about the show doing that. Oh, no. People are, like, leaving, like, flowers and shit on the real Steve Bonnet's uh, grave. And it's like, real Steve Bonnet is is not... Steed. Sorry. Real Steve Bonnet, slave owner. Fictional Steve Bonnet in the show, precious cinnamon roll. Exactly. Perfect. And that is the last time we will be discussing this. So, with that, we are going to get into our first section, which I am calling... Talk it through as a crew, <laughs> where we talk about things that don't go anywhere else. <laughs> I love it. Would you like to start us off? Yes. Um. So we open this episode with a little song from Frenchie. And I feel like this opening song is for everyone who got into sea shanties like mid 2020 and sort of the like height of like, we're in a pandemic. What do we do with ourselves now? Here you go. It's a very adorable (laughs) little, little pirate sea shanty for you. It's so amazing. It's it's so good. I just feel like a pirate's life short, but nice is like the best lyric that's ever been written. Maybe that's also my first thing here because I just adore it. If all goes well, that's also a cover of that is going to be the intro music for this podcast. So fingers crossed for that. I'm very excited about that. So my my next first thing here is just a moment of love for these fishermen who have been robbed of their plant. <laughs> just sadly going, take care of the plant. <laughs> Which they do. Someone does. They do. That plant is thriving the next time we see it. Um, so this, so uh, today uh, was my third rewatch of the pilot. And only this watch did I notice that the warning shot for the ship, the fishing ship that they take the plant from is just buttons dropping a cannonball into the water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> There's literally no reason for it, and it's just so ridiculous. Oh, it's so good. It's just, like, everything about that raid, I just feel like we're seeing Steed, he's like, all right, I have to practice 
basically. And he just practices on the smallest scale that he can possibly find. <laughs> so good. That's pretty adorable. Yeah, he's just running through the playbook. It's like if you're learning to bake, but you start off with like a microwaved mug cake. Or an easy bake oven. <gasps> or an easy bake oven, yeah. <laughs> um, can you believe that Steed learns that none of his crew can read and doesn't immediately like assign Lucius to start giving everyone <laughs> reading lessons? <laughs> I do sort of love his face where it's like, wait, really? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, my dude. <laughs> Uh, which I will actually get into later, but yeah, it is, I feel like Lucius would have been like immediately like, no. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, I feel like Lucius wants to say no a lot, but as we will see, he's very bad at it. <laughs> so we're shown, we're shown, uh, the tour of the ship, the amenities, which I love that scene. And of course the jam room, which is the funniest thing. But so there are hammocks in there. Do you think that's where they sleep when it's raining? Because most of the time we see the crew, unless you have the one bedroom, sleeping out on deck. Mm-hmm. So, but we have to assume that the jam room is also the like storm sleeping room. Yeah, that checks out. It honestly hadn't occurred to me, even though we have a thing in this episode where it's like, oh, there have been storms and all the books fell off the shelves. It was like, no, in this world... It never storms. What are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, Only if it's needed for like dramatic. Effect. Yeah, there was the one storm where the books fell off, and that was it. <laughs> yeah. uh, um. Okay, this dick joke where they're the the British Navy are looking at the Revenge, and the two officers both try to offer their little telescopes to Nigel, and he, like, just scoffs at them and pulls out this, like, enormous telescope. It's so funny to me. How did I not realize it was a dick joke until you just said something? (laughs) Yeah, it definitely, definitely is. No, that makes sense. (laughs) (sighs) Which is just such a microcosm of why we hate those hate those guys. Uh-huh. Um, I absolutely love how Jim does not at all participate in craft time. And they're just like sharpening their knives. Their knives are the same knife the entire yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Jim is too cool for everyone. Which is a little bit of a bummer for, for them. Because... Speaking from experience, being too cool for everyone often means that you miss out on things that can be genuinely fun. They did not miss out on dressing up, though. (laughs) True, they did not. Though, aren't they just wearing their normal clothes when they come in in that scene? No, they're wearing a, like, teal jacket and, like, a slight, and a, like, a slightly ruffled shirt. Oh, nice. looks great. Good for them. Yeah. Um... One thing that I love about watching everything with subtitles is getting to see how the subtitlers have chosen to describe things that are not dialogue, such as posh British music. Why do I have that exact same thing? Because I watched it today with the subtitles on, and I was like, I'm sorry, what is this music? Posh British music. (laughs) I mean, they're not wrong. Yeah, it made me laugh out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I also, so I have like a, like a kind of a serious-ish question, which is, I feel conflicted about who that dude in Steed's flashback is, who is like gutting the duck. Is that his dad or a servant? Okay, cool. So I have this too. I actually have this, can we talk about this in the rant section? Because without it, I kind of don't have anything. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. <laughs> okay, okay. Cool. okay, yeah, I have two more things then for this section. Yeah, go ahead. You know... I really hate to agree with badminton about this, but I don't understand why Steed's ship, the bookshelves just don't have like some doors or something on it. (laughs) Yeah, I have that. They just need a little bar, you know, and I think this is partly like living with a woodworker. So like, you know, tiny houses have been designed in my home. It's like, yeah, if you have like a mobile bookshelf, you just you just need a little bar, you know? So easy to keep those books. Or like a tasseled rope, which I feel would be more of Steed's aesthetic to have. 
Sure. Yeah. So, so many options. I know. Yeah. It is. It is very impractical. I mean, having having the having the gag of him screaming while the storm and the books are falling on him is really good, though. <laughs> so I kind of appreciate yeah. them keeping that. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's fair. <laughs> um. All right. My last thing here is okay. So Nigel is like making fun of Steed's boat. Another you know dick joke situation taking place, and this. So I just, I don't know why it makes me so happy. He's like, oh, what a darling boat you have. It's so efficient. And then, you know, it's all, it's all euphemisms. And then he just goes, and tiny. Like he just states the thing that he's been being euphemistic about. And for some reason that just (laughs) makes me laugh so much. I just love it. Yeah, he's just like, I think that it's because the longer he's on Steve's ship, the less polite he's getting and is just just becomes like straight up mean like mm-hmm. every second that he's in steed's present which is why i feel like you know when steed brains him with that fucking mcm brass whale you're like hell yeah also i cannot wait to find that mcm brass whale at a thrift store yes you deserve it mm-hmm. Welcome to A Brigade of Imbeciles, where we talk about character (laughs) development. (laughs) Um, And look, I know that that word is problematic and we don't usually use words like that, but that's what Blackbeard calls Steed's crew and it's very funny and we're using it. Um, Black Pete is an Aries. (laughs) You know, I can see that. Okay. Yes. Yes. I mean... Honestly, as the show goes, I start feeling a little bit more like he's a Sagittarius, but like in this episode, he is such an Aries. And honestly, he's so much like my brother who is an Aries that it's a little bit stressful, like throwing down the cards and like storming out of the whatever that game that they're playing is racquetball, maybe anyway. And just like his impulsivity. He's just such an Aries. He's such an Aries. I'm here for this. Uh, I was just like, you are, he's just trying so hard to be so butch in this episode and he just (laughs) cannot handle not feeling so butch because they're doing all of these not super mask pirate things. It's like, Mm -hmm. oh, we're making a flag. He still, he still made a flag though, by the way. (laughs) He sure did make a flag. (laughs) He wasn't too butch to not make a flag. (laughs) Correct. And I'm just like, "Uh uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, I think it is partly overcompensation, but it is also partly just, like, fireside energy who signed up to be a fucking pirate and instead is just, like, sitting on a boat with the same ten people for, like, weeks on end and that energy just having nowhere to go. Which, as fireside yourself, I feel like you could probably at least a little bit relate to. You know, that is fair. That is fair. That does sound like a lot of pent-up frustrations. Not, not like with Blackbeard. We did so many cool masks things with Blackbeard. <laughs> yeah. Always drinking and killing like dudes do. Mm-hmm. I wrote up Blackbeard, so you should bring up the next person. Uh, I want to bring up uh, Olawande, who is also one of the main characters of this show. Let's let's just be real about this. And also, more importantly, people love to say that, like, you know... Imagine, like, Izzy is, like, the one person in a ship full of Muppets. But, like, Ala Wande is, like, before Izzy shows up, he is the person who's on a ship of Muppets. Yeah. Like, he is the person who's, like, no, you guys, you see how cool (laughs) this is? We just get to, like, hang out and we still get fed. And, like, this is real chill. Yeah. (laughs) And, like, I think he genuinely likes Steed for, I mean, not being an abusive piece of shit captain, you know? So he's just like, oh, yeah, let me give him some pointers, you know, make sure that this mutiny doesn't really pop off like it's supposed to. And just acknowledge that he like the ways that everyone says that like Steed is failing as a captain is actually good for the rest of them. Right. You know? Yeah, I feel like uh, he and Steed are the dads of the ship, but Steed is like the caricature dad and Olu is like, just like a good dad. <laughs> he's like looking out for everybody. He's here with the practical advice. He's 
gonna make sure you know how to take care of yourself but also maybe encourage you to like not fight because maybe you don't need to he's just he's just great i uh i adore him yeah yeah and that's why you're like when they're whatever episode is later in the season when they're like oh but you should be captain if we don't have blackbeard or steed and it's like yes obviously you should be captain (laughs) um you have you're the you're the level head that people need and well and more importantly the like empathetic level head right yeah um so i'm gonna bring up our our other dad steed who it's like he ran away to be a pirate but really he wanted to run away to be like a summer camp leader (laughs) so fun it's so funny that he just is like i'm just gonna adopt all of these like you know traumatized lost boys basically and like be their wendy and read them stories <laughs> take care i know he's like so like encouraging and is like i don't want to use abuse to like motivate the crew i want us to like talk about our feelings exactly i mean really did gotten this book to run away from toxic masculinity which is wild because it's like Steed. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you're aware about the pirate's life, but a lot of it, as we learned, is built on uh, the shaky house of cards that is toxic masculinity. Yes and no. I feel like there also was a lot of, you know, Calico Jack, I think later is like anything goes at sea. And that does also seem to be true both in this world and also historically pirates Hmm. did a lot of like not toxic masculine type things because it's just like but yes uh i also really love the part where when he's giving the feedback about their quote-unquote raid and he compliments his own opening speech (laughs) that made me so happy (laughs) yes deed is the kind of person who would uh like their own posts on social media you know yeah can you can you do that yeah, of course you can. I'm like, as the one who runs our like business account, I'm like, yeah, you have to because the more <laughs> likes it gets in the first thirty seconds, the better the post performs. But he would do it on his personal account, which is yes. different. Yeah, I think that's what I mean. Is like he he would he would post a like artful photo of like some flower arrangements that he did, and then immediately like his own post. Yeah, of course he would. So, which I'm here for for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you have anything else about him? Uh, I don't. All right. My last thing on him is just the like hand to my heart moment where he is standing at the the back of the ship. I forgot what that's called. Anyway, sort of reflecting in the sunset and goes, my family is here now at sea. And you're just like, oh. <laughs> I feel like I had, I feel like my moment is actually when he is, little little steed and he's just like picking some flowers and being like i'm enjoying i'm just enjoying myself before the bullies show up and i'm like oh you're so tender and sensitive yeah and i'm just like "Mm." yeah uh who would you like to talk about next uh i just love how superstitious frenchie is and I mean the other the other pirates kind of give him shit for being like cats or witches with like they're scary because they're witches and have knives in their feet and everyone's like come on but then like three episodes later they're like just as superstitious when they find out that Jim isn't a cis dude right know? and it's like come on y'all <laughs> at least Frenchie's up is up front with this yeah which I appreciate also he's just like. He's like Lily, their bard. It's just very cute. I, uh, he's in my. I feel like who's in my top three favorite characters just like rotates constantly depending on what episode I've just watched. But like, I feel like it's the third one that rotates in and out. And Frenchie and Lucius are always like, in they're they're always in there. And then who whoever number three is changes because he's just like I just love him. He's so fun, and I love how. Maybe I shouldn't go, because there's, like, so much that's all from later episodes. But, like, his 
his strengths and weaknesses are like both so profound. Like there's no middle ground with Frenchie and I just really appreciate that. Yeah. And I just feel like, I think I just also appreciate that he's like maybe outside of Steed. It's like Frenchie and Lucius are sort of like the most outwardly tender of the crew. Yeah. And I just really appreciate that because most other, because of, how, because of racism, you really ever see a, like, black dude get to be just, like, so, like, tender and open with his feelings. And it's just really refreshing that Frenchie is, like, I won't say, like, himbo adjacent, but it's just sort of, like, he's just, you know, barred in his way through life, it feels like. Or at least at this point of his life, you know? Yeah. He reminds me a lot of Luna Lovegood. Yeah. <laughs> it sure does. So... Yeah. Yeah, and it's just it's just really refreshing to see that in a black male character. So I'm here for this. Yep. Uh, okay. I obviously, as I just said, love Lucius so much. Um, his facial expressions <laughs> are just priceless, and the look that he gives Buttons for snitching about the <laughs> so good <laughs> um yeah i just love it i know i'm excited that we get more of him in later episodes yeah because like yeah he just is just making a lot of faces <laughs> yeah it's that and the face that he makes when they make fun of the flag that he made you know, you could like that scene where they reveal where basically we learn who made what flag by like seeing the characters react to their flags being mocked. It's like you we get a cut of Lucius with each flag. Like you can see him dreading them getting to his flag. And then when they do get to his flag, the look of just like humiliation and devastation. <laughs> and like obviously his flag is my favorite flag i have my (laughs) own like you know version of it that i made by hand on my wall um it's a great flag but he is like he's so ashamed but he also put so much work into it with all the buttons do, yeah, for real. Do y'all know how long it takes to sew that many <laughs> buttons? Because I do now, and it's a long time. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, as someone who exclusively does hand sewing, I can only, I can imagine definitely how much work all those fucking buttons would have been to sew on. Yup. Um, and I will have a, there are pictures of this flag on our Instagram folks, and we will also have screenshots to a bunch of stuff in the show notes on our website. So including Lucius's flag and also my flag. So who do you have next? Let's talk about Jim. Yes, please. I have so many feelings about, uh, but in this first episode, we just get just how skilled they are with a knife and it's. Okay, listen, okay, listen, like, competence is sexy. Mm-hmm. And so it's just really, it's just, it, like, every time they're on screen, like, doing an action shot, you're just like, hell the fuck yes. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. No notes. Very true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. My last person here today is um, Buttons, <laughs> who's so fucking funny. I don't know how this show got made without everyone just like losing their minds every time they were <laughs> acting with buttons, but his fangs. <laughs> also, just something about hearing in case I have to chew through some poor fucker's throat and a Scottish accent is like <laughs> one of the best things that's ever happened. I don't know. It's so good. <laughs> I... I also just feel like I love the line where it's like, I'm too old for hand-to-hand combat. Hence, these metal teeth that I just <laughs> carry in my pocket, like, wrapped in a, like, a handkerchief. And you're just like, this is <laughs> Like, you had someone make you these. Because you're like, you know what? I can't quite do the stabbing like I used to. So I gotta have the metal thing. I mean, we get a real consistent refrain of Buttons having a very strong desire to eat other people so i actually think these fangs might have 
come into existence for other reasons but now he's just like yeah also it's my preferred method for like pirate raids because i love eating people you know <laughs> it comes up like every episode <laughs> you know listen sometimes at sea they run out of food <laughs> yeah also i think there's that thing that you get from eating people if you like eat the brainstem or something you get one of those prion diseases that makes you want to eat people more so maybe buttons just has prion disease i think that's what it's called yeah i feel like i always just think about it as mad cow but for people yeah basically welcome to do you fancy a fine fabric where we talk about aesthetics Sorry, I said that while you were taking a sip of your okay. beverage. <laughs> I'm glad. I just, I'm I'm just glad I didn't spit it all over my laptop. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I like looked up for my notes just just a moment too late, and I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> all right. Um, honestly, my first thing is just Steed's whole stateroom. Like his stateroom is just he's got the like beautiful like brocade furniture the curtains you know we know about his wardrobe and of course learn about his auxiliary hidden wardrobe (laughs) just like this is the dandiest motherfucking thing i've ever seen in my life and i'm so here for it the the little panels of of like brocade wallpaper are so nice I love them. I know. He went all out. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like Steed is very much embodying my 2022 mood, which is like, I no longer have even one fuck to give about whether or not something is like too much or too silly. Like, I don't know, all the time, whenever my partner and I are talking about like a thing that we're gonna do to our house we're like would that be tacky would that be too much and we're like actually wait pause the world is ending everything is shit the question is not is that tacky the question is will that make us happy and i feel like more and more our home is just turning into something out of a john waters movie and i am so much happier (laughs) okay so really great funny that you should bring up your house looking like a john waters film which i mean the amount of times that I have fantasized about the like, like playing card print wallpaper that's shown in like pink flamingos. Anyway, but I think like maximalism is itself like was slash still is like a gay signifier. Mm-hmm. Oscar Wilde, known for fucking being a max- maximalist. And part of what is they were not able to censor out of the pictures of Dorian Gray is there's a whole chapter about Dorian Gray and his friends like having all this cool shit in their house. Like having these like beautiful Maximals house. And it's like, this is gay as fuck. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> because maximalism as an aesthetic is like gay as fuck. So I think that it's just an extra special, you know, it just feels extra special than for Steve to of course have this extra AF stateroom. Cause it's just like, that's just what gay aesthetic is. Yeah, or exactly. one of the gay aesthetics, but also like a historic gay aesthetic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, <sighs> yeah, and also all of his uh, his very colorful wardrobe. I think also. T- <laughs> yes, that's actually my first my first thing is that <laughs> the, the like aqua ensemble, um, which is a beautiful outfit, which he knows because it's the outfit that he chooses to die in in the last episode of the season. He loves it so much he has two of them. <laughs> Because he's wearing one and already has one on the the fake, well, not fake corpse, but the fake steed corpse. But you know what? I often have two of things that I love, you know? You're like, I, I'm i going to get it stained, probably. I'm going to wear it out. I better get two while it's still available. It's just, just logic. Right. Especially if it's like at a time where it's like, so I brought, I spent a lot of money in this bolt of aquamarine fabric you're making me two outfits that are exactly the same out of it <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> uh yeah uh i mean 
I, of course, love an embroidered waistcoat, but, like, the embroidered waistcoat with the, like, pocket watch, just, everything is just yeah, excellent. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, I think it's your turn. In the opening scene, in the in the first half of this episode, we also get that uh, Steed is wearing a little, like, black tie around his neck of his outfit, which we see come up in the last episode because uh, Ed has used that around his neck from Steed's wardrobe gasp i've watched this show a minimum of 20 times and i have never noticed that well done well spotted yeah so we get this walkthrough of the ship while steed is like narrating to lucia so we just get to see all these little you know particulars including the fact that the figurehead masthead figurehead i forget anyway it's a unicorn it sure is which is like, I feel like that's the moment where anyone who was like, I wonder if this gay pirate show is really going to be like a gay pirate show. It's like, hello, this is a gay pirate show. <laughs> like, can you just imagine the shipbuilder or the carpenter where they're like, I'm sorry, you want your masthead to be a unicorn? It seems like, yes, it's a powerful yeah. animal. And the guy's like, yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> I mean, you say boss. There was, I mean, there still is a lot of unicorn imagery on, like, posh stuff in England. So it is possible that there were other unicorns, but they didn't look like they came off of a carousel, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, like a lot of, yeah, a lot of, like, heroic, uh, whatever, livery or whatever has a lot of unicorns on it. But yeah, I think that the design of it on this show is just like, yeah, it looks like... It looks like it's from a carousel. It's so beautiful. <laughs> it is It is really beautiful. Uh, I would love, I would love to have one of those. Just mount it to the front of my house like it's a ship. <laughs> <laughs> it's like just, you know, nail to the, like the top, like your porch, like the roof yeah. of your porch. I mean, I have, yeah, I have a porch with like a pointed, you know, roof on it. It would fit perfectly, actually. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> <sighs> I wonder how much that would cost. Sorry, go ahead. I also, okay, now I want to talk about Lucius's crop top coat. Mm-hmm. Which, number one, is a look. It's a look that I'm so here for. But also, that coat looks like it's made from a couch. <laughs> or some <laughs> curtains. And I'm, because it does have some, like, subtle, like, uh, pattern on it. And I'm, like, really here for it. Yeah. It's like, like, did you steal your mom's curtains on your way out? (laughs) You know? Because that's what it feels like. Oh, I hope so. I can't wait for season two when we get more people's backstories. I know. I just really want to know about how Lucius ended up a pirate, you know? I mean, that seems like a safe place to be gay is being a pirate. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, especially since... As the only other crew member who can read and write, he's the only literate crew member. Then it's like, you must come for money. Like, you must at least be middle class. Right. And we get that little mention of my mom thought I liked girls for years. So it's like, there's clearly, there's clearly a story there. Yeah. I like really identify with Lucius in terms of being like someone who's like, I fucking want to be a pirate. That sounds great. And then it being like, blood and scary things and being like this is terrible i still want to be a pirate but like god i hate this (laughs) i realized i realized this time that when him and alawande are in steve's stateroom after badminton is murdered he's just like turned all the way around (laughs) he also cannot look at this gore nope 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 (sighs) okay so the flags is my last thing here. They're just all so good. Um, these pirates are so fucking creative. They're all very good at sewing. Um, they're just brilliant. They're so, such good flags. Yeah, all these flags are incredible. Yeah. So. The, uh, the button teeth on Black Pete's flag. So good. I mean, so good that I stole the idea for the logo for the show. <laughs> <laughs> i know it's like you you were complaining the most but obviously you had a blast if you're like this is fucking gonna have button teeth 
Yeah, exactly. And they all match. They're not like mismatched buttons. They're all one color of buttons. So. All right. Um, two more things. Okay. Alawande's little orange pattern hat. It's <laughs> just very cute. It is. I couldn't tell if it was like hand knit or what, but I'm like, I would wear that. But also the first scene of uh, Steed's yellow robe of moping, mm-hmm. which we'll see again and again. And it's like, there's like really beautiful embroidery on the, like on the hems. I'm just like, this is such an excellent robe. Yeah. And it's silk lined. <laughs> I want right. this robe. <laughs> <laughs> so we do have a P.O. box listed on our website. It's hashtag ruthless.com. <laughs> if anyone wants to start sending Jesse a whole new wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> you know i even have a huge like chunk of silk that i don't know what to do with because i only hand sew so if, if anyone could collaborate with me Ooh. please email us at the getting profit <laughs> at gmail.com welcome to stark revelations where we talk about things that are fucked up and just for folks who are new to us, we don't do content warnings unless we talk about something that you wouldn't expect us to talk about based on the episode we're discussing, but we do keep everything that would need a content warning contained inside the things that are fucked up section of the podcast. So this is where we talk about, I don't know, racism, fat phobia, ableism, stuff like that. So yeah, with that said, what do you have first here? Um, I think... I think I think I want to start off sort of easy, sort of mild, which is since this is sort of in the first episode where, you know, we really are, not, are unsure how much like how long the crew has been together. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they're the sort of uh, scuffle with the British Navy seems to be like their first kind of big deal thing. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like in this episode, we there's a lot of sort of the crew and also Steed realizing it, like that, that a little bit Steed is sort of slumming it for better sense of the word. Like all of one day is like, you know, we don't pirate because we like it. We do this because we don't have any choice, you know, and Steed, I mean, I think in this episode, like Steed is a little bit like naive about kind of like the realities of pirating and why people are doing this and like you know the kind of folks who are pirates like it's sort of like yeah bro like a lot of most of the like almost entire crew can't read because they weren't they do not have any class or race privilege to have gotten those skills unlike you who grew up very rich right yeah i mean frenchie and we john both say when they when they take the room from Oluwande that neither of them have ever had a room before and yeah I think Steve truly has no idea that any of that like he just but I think that is exactly who he is like he just like got an idea about something fun because he was bored which like how would you not be bored like yeah I don't know and yeah was just like i mean i i feel like something that i actually really love about this is that i think that steed is in some ways the like an audience proxy like this is what all of us grew up thinking about pirates as is just this like adventures on the high seas lol yeah they kill people whatever and steed also just has you know this hyper exaggerated romanticized idea of piracy but then he goes out and has to actually become a pirate only he becomes a pirate in the romanticized version of piracy (laughs) that we all grew up thinking about it's just so meta and i just love it so much yeah the sort i mean i felt the sort of clash of that of the sort of like in-universe fictional pirates piracy that steed is expecting and sort of the RIL realities of being a pirate that sort of Izzy's like what the fuck is happening and then like Ed is like really sort of enamored with is like kind of like both like an underlying tension of the show and also like why it is great you mm-hmm. know because then you can have 
you can have like real life, you know, issues where with, you know, Ed feeling out of place because he didn't grow up like knowing how to use the correct fork because he grew up impoverished and, you know, indigenous in a land that was very hostile to him. Right. Uh, but then you can also have a hilariously homoerotic scene about like, yeah, just stab me, just stab me in the, in the torso. It, yeah. it won't hit anything right there. And it's like, I call shenanigans on that, but also <laughs> why not? Exactly. <laughs> yep. So I mostly just have here that I really appreciate Jim being a super good example of what like really good allyship looks like. <laughs> I just think we could all take an example from them. <laughs> yeah. Jim is what a great example of uh, black brown solidarity because, and I just think, cause right. Like they don't start murdering the Navy, the, the Navy dudes. Until like one of them calls like Frenchie an uppity slave. And then it's like, okay, no, we don't, we don't do this here. Fuck you. Yeah. And I think what I also just really appreciate about that scene is that whenever the like white British do say something like shitty and racist, like you can see like Alawande and Frenchie and Roach like respond silently. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, these motherfuckers. <laughs> um because the show is being like, yeah, those motherfuckers are fucking racist and they suck, which is why when Jim throws a knife in that dude's hand and everyone starts just taking out their weapons, you're like, thank God. Yeah, <laughs> these exactly. Shitty ass dudes are getting what they deserve. Which also I feel like you don't often see like in a genre show like this because a lot of them are either like, oh, like we're just going to do a colorblind casting where race doesn't really matter. Or it's like, it's fictional racism like against people versus elves or whatever you know right but here it's like the show is very much aware that it's a television show i can do whatever they want to do but they're choosing to be like we're gonna show that racists are shitty and they're gonna get what they deserve and it's like thank you yeah (laughs) truly the energy i need for 2022 yeah i yeah and it's consistent through the entire show it's just like immediate and i i love it i just Yes, it's it is. It's exactly what we need in this moment is to be like our attention spans last as long as a three minute TikTok. If it's a really good TikTok, that's how long you have to like make a thing like work. And they're like, great, yeah, we will go from like, ew, aren't these guys gross? To like, yes, they're so gross. Stab them in the fucking hand within three minutes. Don't worry. And it's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And on top of that, these dudes are like fat phobic and like homophobic. So. Yep. And then you're like, great. Yeah. These dudes, in fact, deserve to be punished for being pieces of shit. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. so refreshing. It's so great. I'm so glad that, that Nigel Badminton fell on his own fucking sword. What like, a relief. He- like, he's just such a terrible fucking piece of shit bully. Yeah. And Steve still was just gonna, was gonna, just gonna whack him in the head with a brass whale. He wasn't even gonna try to get any kind of revenge, lol, against him. <laughs> he just wanted to be like, I don't want to be in this situation anymore. So I'm just gonna, like, knock you out and then we can, what, I don't know what his thought process for after that was, but. Yeah. Welcome to. The Art of Fuckery, where we <laughs> rant about stuff. Okay, so you started to bring up earlier, and I was like, wait, can we talk about this later? Uh, this this man from Steed's flashbacks. This is one of two things in the entire show that I'm going to be like, hold on a second. Like, this doesn't make any sense. Um, because it is supposed to be his dad, at, which I didn't even realize until like my third watch through when I, I think I... I think I just asked my partner was like, is this his dad? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, but that doesn't make any sense. Like rich, like landed gentry in 1717. Well, I guess earlier, cause he was a kid, whatever. We're not butchering their own birds. Like that's right. I thought it was like a mean servant or something. Especially the way that he talks 
to Steed about, like, you didn't earn any of this shit. You're just, you know, you didn't get your hands dirty with this. You're just a fucking, like, lucky coward, essentially. Where it's like, that, it does feel like too much self-reflection for a rich dude, like a rich white dude to say. Right. That's why I'm like, is this, this is a, this is just an angry servant, right? Because none of these things are coming together. Right. Yeah. And it's funny because I'm like, I just feel like if I had been asked to write this, like, where was the tension with Steed's dad? Like, hunting was a huge pastime all the time with, like, that still actually, I think, still is with, like, the upper crust in, like, British society. And, like, Steed would have been too tender to go hunting. It would have been so easy for the scene to be, like, he was supposed to kill a fox, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I just don't understand, like, why this why this is the backstory because it's so incongruous with everything that I know of the history of like English nobility. Right. And also just like rich people generally, you know? Yeah. Or even if it's like, you know, if we're going to have that scene, like I feel like the dialogue should have gone differently then. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like between this and Steve getting picked on for just like wanting to hang out and pick flowers is very much like oh this is gonna be some straight up gay shit (laughs) yeah because like between those two scenes you're like oh you are so tender yeah and the world hates you for that and it's like is is there a big i mean that's like gay mood hashtag gay mood (laughs) right i mean badminton literally is like you were soft and weak and like to pick flowers and it's like you can just say gay like (laughs) yeah right which is essentially what we're getting right but i mean but then we don't get izzy seemingly inventing homophobia to internalize it which is also very entertaining to me so i can't wait to talk about izzy this is that like his character is maybe the first time in my history of like consuming any like fan related anything that like the fandom has changed my mind about someone because I definitely spent my first several watches of the show being like can they please stop like writing this character like can he be gone now and like the fandom is there's so much like Izzy apologist stuff out there that I've like feel my sense of his character like shifting unwittingly as a result of like looking at memes yeah i also can't wait to talk about that i find him a very interesting slash deplorable character but i also understand why people are apologists slash think it's hot (laughs) i also think that the actor is not helping with that because he's like so good at twitter (laughs) so i think he's he is single-handedly shaping people's relationship to his character yeah the fact that he loves retweeting like izzy uh fan art is very charming to me and i don't know how long it'll last because i've been in enough fandoms to know that there's a point where it's like the actors are like actually y'all are too much at the step back and i'm like don't know when that's gonna happen but it will happen so i'm like enjoy it while you can folks yeah. Before boundaryless fans ruin it for all of us. Well, also just like being that engaged on the internet is a job. And when you have other things that you have to do, or like you're doing that on top of other things that you have to do, you just run out of steam eventually. No, yeah. no matter how respectful people are. So mm-hmm. um, anyway, what do you have? Um, actually, I don't have a lot here, but. I want to point out that I feel like it's not a surprise that considering that Black Pete spends the entire episode bitching about, you know, doing all this soft shit, um, that he's the one who brings up our first mention of Blackbeard and about how much more butch the things were with Blackbeard. Uh (laughs) And it's just like, it's just so funny in retrospect when, you know, we just, there's a lot of buildup for like, this like terrible monsters dude blackbeard and then it's just like a sad wounded dude who has created this construct of blackbeard to like protect his like soft underbelly and it's just uh, it's so good but then it's also just like black pete no one believes you <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um i 
feel like I'm not even inclined to believe him that he was a part of Blackbeard's crew. Oh, no, or if he, he was, definitely wasn't. It was like, I saw him at port one time, like, <laughs> Izzy was slicing some dude's neck, and it's just like, oh, man, Blackbeard is so fucking rad. And then he's like, I was on Blackbeard's crew. Yeah, no, he's just he's just lying. <laughs> he's just lying through his teeth. Yeah. But uh, I just love this initial beginning of, like, the mythos of Blackbeard. You know? mm-hmm. They do, uh, it's so excellent, the buildup. So good. Um, I also don't have very much here, actually. I think the only other thing that I am going to bring up is the true just chef's kiss beauty of them doing to this Navy officer that they send back to the ship the same thing that was done to baby steed in this pond i just i just love it great work everybody it it really is so it's like almost viscerally satisfying (laughs) to be like fuck you batman (laughs) i'm gonna take your psychological torture and i'm gonna use it to escape from your for your shitty navy yep yeah it's beautiful even if so, even if Frenchie just bestow a new cat flag because his got used to <laughs> for the for the fake soldiers. <laughs> it's okay. It means that his flag is the only one that comes back for the rest of the for the rest of the show. That's true. That is true. Welcome to the crystals attract demons, where we talk about. <laughs> science and history and stuff (laughs) you're first all right uh so the this literally season-long joke about where steed is like we have plundered this fishing vessel for this tiny fern i want to point out is actually maybe not this exact time but sort of historically ish accurate just because of like how uh, sort of the origins, not the origins. Obviously, there's been multiple times in different cultures across centuries about like keeping houseplants, mm-hmm. you know? You know, folks in ancient Egypt, I mean, like bonsais have been around for like literally centuries, but sort of what we think co- contemporarily is like keeping houseplants really was started in Europe, kind of with the advent of colonialization because it's like go to a new place take all the resources and also bring back some plant clippings to put in your house which became a big thing because after london burned during the great fire of london they built they rebuilt with deeper slash wider windowsills so people could put plants in their windowsill and during victorian england and also a little before that in the 18th century there was a sort of like fern craze because it took them a while to figure out how to propagate ferns. So a fern, if you had, if you if you had a fern, if you were like middle class and your fern died, you had to wait for them to bring another shipment of ferns from all the places that were colonialized for it to, you know, for you to get a new one. So this actually is sort of significant, like a significant haul, I think, for someone of Steed's standing to be like, oh, a, a, an exotic plant, you know. Wait, fern? There's no ferns in. The United Kingdom? That feels fake. I mean, ferns are, like, native to, like, tropical places. Or, I mean, not, like, tropical places, because there are stuff in, like... There's Michigan, in for Michigan instance. Michigan and, like, all that kind of places. I don't... I mean, anywhere where it's wet enough for them to be able to have their little spore spermies swim to find each other, and it's notoriously very rainy. Maybe they just didn't have the kinds of ferns. There have to be ferns. Maybe not the kinds of ferns that are like the ones you can get from like tropical places. Yeah, probably. There was a there was a craze. Someone wrote a book about the fern craze. So I love that. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. So yeah, and I mean, Steve takes pretty good care of it. I'm sure partially due to the humongous windows again, <laughs> and his very <laughs> impractical room that love he has. It. Um, That actually ties in perfectly to my first thing here, which is just the utter disregard for the boundaries of, like, space and time that this show has and how much I love it. Like, this ship is the TARDIS, and I think that that's wonderful. And also, like, 
yeah, space-time seems to be collapsible at sea consistently throughout the show. Or it's just, like, very easy to, like, find each other. Things don't take nearly as long as they should take to accomplish. And I... I just, like, this is a thing about the show that I appreciate with my whole heart. I just think it's so wonderful. Yeah, they're, like, not trying for realism. And I really appreciate that. Because I think you gotta, you, you, you gotta go, it's either you gotta go for, you gotta go hard for realism, or you don't. And I right. think some shows try to, like, have it be sort of in the middle, where you're just like, what, do, what are you doing? You right. Know? And so once they establish that the boundaries of reality don't exist, you're like, cool, all right, I'm here. Right, exactly. What do you have next? Actually, that was all I had. Okay. So, um, in terms of real pirate history, everyone, we will be using one history book and one history book only. (laughs) (laughs) It is a book. A truly, truly terrible book. It's written for middle schoolers. It was originally published in the year 2000. Um, I have had it since the year 2000, I think. It's poorly written. It's poorly edited. It's deeply problematic. It's called (laughs) The Short and Bloody History of Knights, Spies, and Pirates. This is the only thing that we will be referencing. We will not be reading Wikipedia. This is it. So if you're like, why didn't you mention this thing? It's because it wasn't in the book. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> wait, wait. Can I see the cover? Yes. Okay, not as interesting as I was hoping for, but no, it is um, illustrated though, sort of rolled <gasps> nice. doll art style. Okay, so here's what we know about. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but about Steed Bonnet from from this book. He is there's um, you know the pick of the bunch, so it talks about maybe like ten pirates, and he is one of them. So. He was notorious. I'm not going to give you all of the information right away, but so he was a well-educated, extremely cultured man of letters who, uh, according to this, which I did mention deeply problematic book, went into piracy merely to get away from his missus whose nagging was driving him around the bend, parenthetical, or out to sea. Did Scoundrel J.K.R. ghostwrite this? God damn. (laughs) Um, so he secretly fitted out a fast sloop, which he called the Revenge, that had 10 guns, uh, an extensive library of his favorite books, and he assembled a crew of 70, 70, uh, this is similarly minded men. So potentially he just like found a bunch of other bored rich dudes. I don't know. I don't know. And they sailed off into the sunset looking for fame and fortune. So that's what we're going to learn about him this this episode oh my god i guess having 70 people makes more sense than like what the like 10 people on the ship yeah yep that's it i think that's all the pirate history that i'm gonna give this week i did learn learn i did read some stuff in here about like pirate bards but basically it's just they had them they were real pirates loved music which is not particularly interesting or surprising piece of history i mean listen what else are you gonna do on those long voyages, besides play some cards, have sex, listen to the bard, make up funny songs. Exactly. Didn't you have some stuff about cats? No? Oh, I ended up I ended up not finding anything that, like, had legitimate sources. But, I mean, people in Europe during that time thought c- cats were, uh, you know, part of witchcraft and Satanism. So... Yeah, there's apparently, I not apparently, there is, because I was there earlier just today, a Snopes article about the myth that cats steal children's breath. It apparently was, like, very firmly believed and was listed in some coroner's reports in the 1700s that, like, that was the cause of death, which they're now, like, it was SIDS, um, not cats. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, people believe a lot of funny things about cats. So yeah. still. So I'm not surprised that's like a Snopes yeah. article. Yeah, I had to let my wife know that the or that the thing about spiders laying eggs under your skin is a myth. I mean, <laughs> in the US it's a myth. There might be some like in very warm places where that's not a myth, but in the US it's not a thing. I'm like, this is an urban legend. Did did you not know this? <laughs> so 
Well, I feel like her spider fear is strong enough that, you know, logic is uh, not welcome. (laughs) Yes, yes. Uh, Cats do have knives in their feet. They do not steal children's breath. Correct. (laughs) And they are witches. And they are are definitely, (laughs) definitely witches. All right. Our last segment is Petrified Orange. Where we do a lightning round of our new favorite things. <laughs> All right. What's your first new favorite thing from today? Uh, okay. When Deed is in the jam room, we have Frenchie on loot, Olawanda on an actual, like a very legit looking African drum. The Swede has some kind of tambourine-ish looking thing. And Roach has a fucking jug that he's like, blowing into as this musical instrument and i just love everything i I had to pause the screen and be like this isn't incredible (laughs) yeah it's really good uh my first thing today is uh everything about the roach sewed his own arm up sounds to me like sewing can be pretty tough (laughs) (laughs) uh that was metal as fuck so i will i will give steed that yeah and roach did it an exquisite job that line is so straight those holes are very even yeah what's your next one i love the red and watermelon that they have on on ship <laughs> that roach and wee john get to smash <laughs> i don't know if this is like an anachronism for there to be a, a watermelon there but i just fucking love it <laughs> i love it also <laughs> all right my last thing is the just exquisite artistry of the reveal of Jim removing their fake nose as the music says, goodness knows, they set down their nose and it's so, like, it was 100% on purpose and it's so good. That is hilarious. I did not realize that. You should definitely watch it again just to appreciate it because it's really great. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to our first episode. You should totally join us on Patreon to celebrate hot pirate summer where we're going to be doing lots of piratey things, including watching pirate movies with our patrons. That is patreon.com slash the Gaily Prophet. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at the Gaily Prophet. And, uh... We have a website, it's hashtag ruthless.com, where we are going to have merch, pirate, pirate-themed merch, our flag means death specifically themed merch available. And also you can look at the show notes to see pictures of all the aesthetic things that we talked about. Yeah. You should leave us a five-star review or a written review so people can also know that this is a quality, awesome podcast. Yeah, you only have 10 weeks to get us up there in the ratings so like don't be like oh i'll do it next week do it now right now leave us a five-star review and be like wow these people are so funny and great (laughs) they have such good takes and until next time farewell bonnets playthings